Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. Jay, welcome to the podcast this week. Oh, welcome, Brad. What's new with you? Oh, you know, make surfing great again. It's a good hat. It's a good hat. You're supposed to take a picture of that. Oh, that's right. Um, that's from the line. You're going to post. I need to post it. that. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. Post that right now I'll when we're done. That. Okay. Um, so have you been surfing much? Um, I went yesterday, and it was like surfing Lake Powell. There was nothing. <laughs> it was well. Maybe, well. Actually, I take it back. I had a few waves. It was pretty maybe, small. One to two foot. Maybe you need to surf some novelty waves like your son did. Oh, that's what I. That's yes. Maybe so I do. I took uh, your little boy, Rusty boy, surfing to a little novelty Six wave. Six years old. Six and years old. You didn't know what novelty is, but I'll give you some background, listeners. There is a vlogger named Ben Gravy that I'm going to play a sober related message. Ooh. So this is just some dude. He's like a positive guy. He surfs uh, every day, and he vlogs about it, video blogs about it. Um, he's got a channel on YouTube. got a channel on YouTube, and Little Rusty was featured on it. Was it yesterday? Yesterday, the okay. start of it. So, uh, so maybe s- we'll post that up somewhere. But listen to this and tell me what you think. You haven't heard this before, I don't think. No. So this is a Ben Gravy on why he got sober. He's not a member of the church. See if Yesterday I did a podcast with Rory Parker from Beach Grit. He was asking me about my sobriety. This is something I haven't touched on in a long time. I am 100% sober. No drinks, no drugs, no cigarettes, no nothing. I've been this sober for over a year and a half now. Why am I sober? It was just a life choice, life change for me. With addiction and alcoholism and drug addiction and stuff like that, they say that rock bottom is different for everybody. I was a drinker. I was a big drinker. I wasn't fallen down, spend all my money, no job, no life, no car, drunk, ruining my life. But alcohol was affecting me negatively enough that I knew that I had to cut it out. It was either one of two things. I was going to continue to drink every day and my habit was going to get worse and worse, or I was going to cut it out and stop being so frustrated with my existence. Living in that vicious cycle of substance abuse, whether it's minor substance abuse or it's major, like shooting heroin, is a very frustrating, terrible thing, and it's a horrible way to live. I was drinking beer every day of my life, sometimes six, sometimes 16, sometimes... Maybe not 26, but a lot. Tons of beer. I had a ton of anxiety, and I had a ton of negative energy inside my body. What happened for me is I made a conscious decision that I didn't want to ruin my life anymore. I didn't want to spend my free time drinking alcohol and getting puffed up. I wanted to spend my free time plotting my future and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and where my life needed to go. On Christmas morning, December 25th, 2015, I stopped drinking. I had my last drink the night before Christmas Eve at Maynard's. Of course, I got wasted that night. So I woke up the 25th and I decided that it was time for me to stop drinking. I haven't had a drink since. And I can tell you guys, since I quit, my life has done a complete 180 degrees. Before when I was drinking, I wanted all these things. I wanted to make videos every day and and be positive and surf all the time. And I wanted a career in entertainment and all these things. But for some reason, the way that my mind worked when I was using alcohol, it was like, like, metal grinding against metal and ever since i took that 
negative thing out of my life. It seems like everything flows to me way more easily. My brain is snapping, like my synapses are just firing all the time. And I'm just way more on top of things. I just wasn't happy. My soul wasn't happy. I felt so empty inside. I felt so unfulfilled. And now, of course, there's days when I feel like I'm not doing enough, but I don't have that same negative feeling about my life. Now when I'm not doing something and I feel kind of empty or, or like I'm not doing enough, I just realize that it's never over. When I was drinking, I felt like my career, my life was done. Now that I'm sober, I feel like I can push forward. Nothing defines me. I can continue to reinvent and recreate what I'm doing. And I can continue to just keep moving forward with everything that I'm doing. And I've just been a more positive person. And I, since I quit drinking, I've just been living a better life. I just want you guys to know, anyone, if you're struggling with addiction, any type of addiction, drug addiction, alcohol, or you're in a, a negative relationship, because that is very much like an addiction, there is hope. There is a way out. I'm living proof that you can change your life. Whether it's alcohol or drugs or negativity, you can make the choice to change your life. But you have to know that it's on you. Nobody is going to make these decisions for you. Nobody is going to change your life. You have to change your life. I changed mine, and I'm in a way better place. I'm in a way better mission. I'm just in a way better energy field than I was. No one's going to make these choices for you, so it's up to you to change your life. And there's actually some fun ways out here, so I'm going to go surfing, and uh, let's have some fun, guys. Dude, what do you think of that? I love it. That was awesome. You're a fan of Mr. Ben Gravy? Yes, metal against metal. You do the unplug out of the uh, telephone switch. Yes. His analogy was metal metal. Now, growing up as a as a Mormon dude, kid, I love stories like that because, like, I think growing up, you're always like, oh, we're missing out. If I wasn't Mormon, I could do this, I can do that. And when I and I would latch on to stories like that and go, I'm not missing anything. Totally. This dude has no, like, religion or no He didn't do it because of religion. He didn't do it because of religion. He did it because his life was, it was not working out. It's a healthy thing to do. He said something about rock bottom, and I like it because um, we, got a, we got something sent to us on our Instagram um, page, a quote. Uh, What's it say? What's it say, Jay? Let's see here. It says, rock bottom became the solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. Think about that. So rock bottom in the beginning looks like a, like a horrible scenario, right? Like you're, I just picture myself back on my mom's couch with the dog. And uh, my wife not talking to me and all these things and being broke and, and detoxing from drugs. But really, those days and months were the foundation now that five years later live on and thrive off of. Interesting where he got sober Christmas Eve. We have a lot of people that, Mine that use too, the yeah. holidays yeah. are that time where it's either your rock bottom and your start over, right? Yeah, true. So we're going to probably get into that as we go into uh, the holidays here. We're... I uh, got another two weeks till Thanksgiving. I yeah, think, two weeks. Yep, two weeks. Um, when this goes up, it'll probably be about that. Um, all right, so we'll post. Let's post. Are you okay if we post that video of Rusty on That'll our be awesome Instagram for everyone account, to see, yeah. and then we can tag Ben Gravy and he's shout uh, out to Ben Gravy. You know, he he he. Fun fact: He, he uh, there was a little edit on that video mm-hmm. where he bleeped it out. He used to not bleep his stuff, and my son sent him a direct message saying, "Hey." You're super positive. It's awesome. A lot of all my buddies listen to it, but you swear too much. And so he started editing and putting beeps in there. That's great. So that was kind of cool to see. That's awesome. He from He, Lex, hey, Lexi, from across the room in the oh. studio. She's in the studio. In the studio in the background. He is actually from New Jersey. Oh. Yeah. New Jersey. East Coast style. So he's a hurricane surf. Like East Coast. East no, he, Coast. Yeah, he travels surf. all over, right? Yeah. 
novelty waves. He's mostly so, but he's famous for serving novelty waves, which are like funky little waves. All right, let's talk about church news. Uh, What news you got for me? Where the church has released changes to the missionary program. What? Um, They're actually, a couple things. One is they're really getting more specific on questions before missionaries go out. Oh, like... uh like I remember when I was going out, it was like they were raising the bar. That yep. was the that was a big prior. thing back then. Yeah, M- worthiness. Four or five. It was all about worthiness. So beyond worthiness, they're making sure they can actually handle it. Like emotionally, can you, can you work? Yeah. Can you get up at six thirty every morning? Yeah. Can you actually work eight hours a day? Can you ride a bike? Are you healthy enough? Yeah. Emotionally and physically. Most of our missionaries were mentally unstable. Um, and why do you think that is? <laughs> Uh, the reason why they're doing this, I think, we, I mean, Lexi, I think there's a lot, lot, we were just talking about this, there's a lot of reasons, I think, why, but uh, I think, you know, social media, video game addiction, things like that, I'm less, less physical, I think our modern society, especially with the youth, like we were talked about a while ago, like there's less, um, there's less survival needs, so therefore, people are, bec- are becoming more Sissified? I don't know. That's a bad term. That's like a negative. I'm just saying we're we're we're, we're the coping we're, mechanism is let me stir my device. I'm stressed. I'm bored. Yeah. I'm this. I'm that. I gotta look at my device. Yeah. I, and right. Yeah. And so, and less need for physical like attributes. Does that make sense? Like the ability to work eight hours physically. Physical work. Physical work. Physical exercise. Everything's just done. You. I mean. I also think that this we're such you can, a you can work in a and, PC culture. We can't. People don't have civilized discussions where they disagree with people. So if you disagree, people like freak. They don't know how to, I would say argue, but you can't have a civil discussion about people you disagree with nowadays. But people get so offended. Yeah. And isn't that on religion? Is like, I'm discussing some very important things. We may agree to disagree, but let me tell you what I believe and why. And you're, I'm going to listen to what you believe and why. And it doesn't rock my my belief or whatever. But I think I think a lot of times, because I've tried to get, Teenager discussed it and like, well, we can't talk about that. I'm like, why can't we? Yeah. Whoa. Little music there. Little news on there. Um, what, what do you think of that hypothesis? That's. I think it's a good one. So, what did the church say? So they're gonna basically, and my daughter's on a mission now. They're rolling out, and they rolled out here is smartphones. So no longer are, you know, they were doing iPads, whatnot, and now they're going smartphones, and and a lot of it's going to be using social media like Facebook if you haven't noticed so they can have a serious lock because to me that like is a big red flag yeah they're not iPhones they're going to be uh, Android and they all really only have texting and Facebook I just feel like modern kids nowadays can hack anything they probably could but you could hack yeah, it at home for so, sure for sure um, I think it's good I think I see the good in it but the first thing that came to mind I'm not gonna lie when we were talking about this today is that I think it's gonna you know I guess if they're raising the bar, though, like if they're keeping the raising the bar standards as far as questions if, you've if, done before if, you go if out. If you can't, if you have a porn if addiction, you, if you can't maintain on your mission with a companion twenty four seven, good luck being home by yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of people like it's like we talk about. A lot of people go out on their mission. Obviously, I think hopefully this is less than more. But they go out with addictions that they don't. Let's talk say they about. go out with a porn addiction and they're on. It'll for sure like, come out on social media, right? Like if they're. Yeah, but but it's one device per companionship. They don't have their own device. That's true. That's true. And I think it's actually good because that way, if they go out struggling with a device, whether it's just social media addiction, porn addiction, or just I don't know how to cope with life, so I'm yeah. gonna look at it. And then they go to where I don't use it for two years, and then immediately back home. Binging again on That's it. That's true. How do they? How do they learn to deal with it? Yeah. So I think it might Mike be pretty healthy. 
Mike and I figured out a way to do it. What was some that? window I got open. We're going to close this browser. Yeah. That's all right. So, so anyways, um, so that's cool. So that came out, and then are, is there any backlash? Usually when church puts out stuff, people say something. I'm no. sure there's those detractors that are like, yeah. Sounds like a good thing. I think it's a good thing. I think there were, I mean, I bet there are going to be some people that aren't going to go on missions because they're not, they can't handle it. Like, if you're like, dude, I can't get up before nine, well, it's crazy. And then think about that. When I, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you. They never asked me that. You just expected to get up. Yeah. But what if a kid can't get up before nine every day and just doesn't do it? That was he can't get out there and go, oh, I can't so do it. so many missionaries like that in Seattle. And, and how many that are like, well, hey, president, I just don't get up. My daughter, my cute little daughter, she wrote a note to my wife. I don't do morns. I don't do morns like I don't do morning. So stop trying to get me up early. She wrote a note to my wife. I don't do morns. She left it on her door. It's like that at a hotel where you hang up, like do not disturb. It's like, I don't do morns, mom. Nice try. I I love how everything's getting, like all the words are getting cut short too. But Instagrams, I like to say Instagrams. It's a little longer. Instagrams. Instagrams. That's all the news because I think we have a really good uh, Ask the Addict coming up. It's a, like they all are. It's they awesome. all are. They're it's all amazing. awesome. Um, so stay tuned. And Don't then we're, we are going to get, so let's prime the pump for next week. We're going to start introducing the um, Like the World because we're hitting it that, that season of change. And uh, I want next week's news for you to prepare for what Light the World is and kind of what you did last year. Yeah, I did some cool things. So let's talk a little about that. And then we're going to be talking about that for the next couple of podcasts, um, along with our Ask the Addict and Normal for sure. Step Talk. Cool. Excited. Okay. So let's listen to your share. We're doing the Step 11 share by Jay. Nice. And then we are, who's, uh, who's going to be our Ask the Addict? Marv. Carvin. Carvin Marvin. Carvin Marvin. Okay. Carvin Marvin. In Yoyet. In Yoyet. In Yoyet. My name is Brad. Los Doyers. Wait, they lost. Okay. Doyers. Uh, yeah, we can't oh, say Doyers in Yoyet. Oh, yeah, that could have been our news. They lost the World Series. There we go. Who won? Um, the Astros. <laughs> Astros. <laughs> Where are they from? Uh, they're from Texas. <laughs> it was a great series. The only series I watched the what whole entire day. in Texas? I, uh, I don't know. And uh, We're not big Austin, ball fans. San Antonio. That's where the hurricane Houston. 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 Yeah, Houston they're Oilers. all the same. Texas is a very big state. It is a big state, but I went there. I mean, you oh, drive through. Dude, I need to, before we go, What? check out, we have a new Texas top country, what? new top country listening to our podcast. You're never going to guess. No. One of the stands. Huh? Yeah. Like, hold on. No. Yeah, yeah. Oh, come on. Internet is not secure. Come on, internet. Come on, church's website. I mean, what? Okay. Stands. Okay. Oh, no, I want to go there. Church Wi-Fi. Add exception. I'm going to go. Oh, you know. Uh, confirm exception. Uh, nah. okay, there we go. Here we go. Okay. Stay tuned. Oh, restricted website ahead. Dude, the church blocks SoundCloud. Okay. Af- anyway. uh, Afghanistan. No way. Yes. Pakistan, maybe. Pakistan? <laughs> I don't know. One of the stands was our no second. Way. In the Middle East. Besides U.S., Middle, Middle Eastern, Eastern East. country was our second most. Today, it popped down to our third most last week. Wow. That's rad. And That's it wasn't crazy. just one listener. It was like... It was no. like a dozen. It was like a pocket of people there. So if that's you listening, we love you. Awesome. Thank keep, you. Keep doing it. Send us a note. Like, yeah, get out on social media if you can log on. I don't know the social media layout there, Facebook, but Instagram, yeah. Facebook, webpage, uh, the Next Step podcast. Let send us know us what you like. Note. Let us know any we suggestions. We should be reading some more notes from you guys. I don't know if you sent us, if you want us to, to like, cover give, something. Like, kudos like they're like hey you saved my life and yeah you know done this i don't know if those are private messages so, so if you send us those let us know if you're okay with us sharing it to the world yes okay that's it we're signing out okay boom
Hi, I'm Jay Manact. Grateful to be here. Um, personal revelation. It's a good step. Um, yeah, I uh, was thinking about what to share before I came, and um, we were sitting here, and uh, it says, you know, by nature, at the very last paragraph, pretty much sums up, um, you know, me and my addiction. It's you know, by nature, we are we are all tend to be undisciplined. You know, and in my disease, I was like up, I was so up and down, like my whole entire life from my youngest memory, I'd have moments of just, uh, you know, like I'd have goals and, and then I would, I would start to work on them and I'd get success right away. And, and then I would, you know, either, either piss it away or just throw it away or just get lazy or wait till the last minute. And, um, I was talking to one of my clients today about being sober and <clears throat> he's in his forties and obviously drinks and doesn't, I don't think he does drugs or anything. You know, I think he's pretty straight and well, he probably just drinks a little bit, but I was telling him about the disease and he's like, so you can't drink a little bit. I'm like, no, like, you know, like, like when I drink, like I, I lose everything and, um, and I can't control it and I want to drink the next day. I think we we're just talking about any sub, some other subject. I was like, you know, I have to watch all things and he just had a kid and he's in his 40s for his first kid and so you know his life's kind of changing and i could tell he was thinking about a lot of stuff that he probably hadn't thought about before and um i just i just grateful that uh you know personal revelation in my life when when i got sober i mean that was a personal revelation that was given to me you know that was given to me by the spirit because for many years i thought i could control my alcoholism i could control drugs i could control prescription pills you know because they were prescribed and i had an excuse for this and i had an excuse for that and whatever it was it was always an excuse and you know um unfortunately uh before you know it when i when i, I had been sober for years uh um, I got prescribed opiates from those that are new in the room and um, we had been newly married and we had a kid on the way and I was going to school. I had all these goals and things that I was going to accomplish and and we started to accomplish them and, you know, but once again, you know, drugs came into my life and I thought that I could control them and a bunch of other things came into my life. I thought I can control it and that, you know, I was different than my friends who couldn't control it. You know, I was always putting myself up against other people to make myself feel better for my decisions. You know, cause I was like, Oh, I'm not as bad as that person or this, that, and the other, right. Always evaluating like that. And, you know, it's just crazy. If you, if, if you run long enough with whatever your disease is or whatever your challenges or your addiction, however you identify, it gets to a point where there's, I, I don't really know where, where it happened, but I was talking to someone the other day as well. And it, it went, it went from fun to just, <laughs> I was just consumed and uh, started with one prescription to to an ADD medicine in college to to led to like, you know, 800 to 1000 pills a month, you know, and, you know, five, six different prescriptions, stealing them from family and friends, stealing them from people I didn't know. And uh, if I walked into your house, I was going to find a way to figure out where your medicine cabinet was. And um, and, you know, and then after a while, the, the pills didn't even do anything. You know, they didn't get me high. They just kept me from getting sick. And um, I could talk to a lot of other people with porn and, and sexual, you know, transgressions, the same thing. You know, it starts with pornography every now and then. And before you know it, it leads to, you know, some other things that are, that, you know, are uncontrollable. Food, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. I don't care if it's lying. You lie a little bit. And before you know it, you can't tell the truth at all. You know, it's all the same. It's like, it says by nature, we're, you know, we're all tend to be undisciplined. And uh, so that's one thing that when it says that right there, it says, yeah, but looking through Jesus Christ and the example he has set, you will find the humility. 
So it's not you're not gonna you're not gonna find perfection. You're gonna find humility, right? And you have to have humility because we're not perfect to continue submitting to the Father, like the Savior. You will be able to say sincerely, "Thy will be done" throughout the day. That's so hard to do. Before I came here, and when my life was in shambles, and when I was, you know, using drugs every day, there's the last thing I, I was looking up. And the only time I looked up was the curse cod. Like, hands down. Like, that was it. I Sure, I wouldn't say that at church. I'd show up in a white shirt and tie and pretend like everything was good. But inside, I had so many resentments. I had so much fear. I had so much pain. And if you're in that situation now and you're new to the meetings and you've been coming a couple times and you may think you got this thing under control, you may need this program. You may not. You may not be like us. You may not. I promise you, if you're in this room, you probably earned your seat here. And it's a it's a good it's a good place to be. And I promise you, if you surrender to the to God, not to us. I mean, if you surrender. Really, the first time I came, I didn't. I wasn't surrender to God. I, 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 I came and kind of was accountable to the meeting, you know, to the people in the room. And it wasn't this many people. It was a few people um, in San Clemente. And uh, because I, I, I felt after a few few weeks in a row that these people were honest, you know, and they weren't they weren't making stories up. And I could tell that they were just like me. So in the beginning, I just used, I just used. Uh, the identifying with other people's stories and their trials and tribulations and their hope and their their triumphs and you know there were guys with tons of years of sobriety and i would just go and i'd look up to them and i was accountable to them and i was like well you know what even if i don't get my relationship back with heavenly father the way it used to be before my addiction at least i can live like these people in this room you know if i'm honest if i'm it says daily surrender right if i can just try to be honest every day rather than make a mistake and then throw it all you know that's how i would do it you know i'd do good for a while make a mistake and just go okay see there you go i'm bad you know there you go i'm not like everyone else i just you know this is it for me where in here i learned that like you know consistency you know it's it's uh, uh progress not perfection right you know it's so easy to go to church every sunday and to hear a lot of the gospel being taught and you think man i gotta be perfect i just have to be perfect all the time like if i'm not perfect like i'm not gonna make it it says not really. Like if, when I got sobriety and I started reading these steps and did these steps for myself in my life and worked with other people, you know, in their recovery, didn't go back and read the gospel or then go to church and listen. You, you, I don't hear those same things anymore. I don't, and I don't think any lessons are being taught any differently. I just feel like I had an added understanding, you know, personal revelation. That's progress, not perfection. You know, we know why we're put here. We know what we're here to, to experience both good and bad. We're here to experience the ups, the downs. We're here to uh, overcome our, our carnal desires, whatever they are, your addictions. And uh, you're here to use your talents to help other people, you know. And uh, I'm grateful that I have a program like this that keeps me accountable. You know, it's been it's hard at church with three little kids. I mean, church is long. And you know, I was telling Lexi, you know, on Sunday, I was like, you know, uh, I'm so grateful I have this program. I have this meeting because this is, this is I get I get so much out of this hour and a half. That it's like, that sustains me till next week. And if it's not, I'm honest with myself and I go to another meeting during the week. I don't just go to one a week. Okay? If you're new to sobriety and you're kind of up and down, two weeks good, one couple days bad, and you're doing this like two foot forward and one step back, go to as many meetings as possible. There are ARP meetings all over now. You know, we have a list of all of them. You can go to the church's website. There are AA meetings and NA meetings and SA meetings and you name it. There's meetings everywhere. There's no excuse why you're still using. There's no excuse. Just the fact that you're not ready to stop yet. And that could be for anything, right? And um, I used to think that this is a really complicated thing to overcome. It's super, it's not. Step one, you get honest. 
you just get honest. You come to a meeting, you get honest, you get a sponsor, and you do the steps. You don't work the steps, you do the steps, right? We, we can all find ways to work the steps, and it can take forever, right? It's very simple. You read two pages, you answer ten questions, you call your sponsor and you meet with them. And I can't explain why that works so well, like why that changed my life and why I've been sober now for almost five years. And I was, that's the longest I've had since I was 11 years old. The only thing I can tell you that I did different this time was do exactly what I just said. So it has to work, right? And I know there's people in here with years of sobriety too and a long time of sobriety with the same story. And they will all say the same thing. They got, they got honest. They got a sponsor. They did the steps. They didn't work them. They did them. And they kept going to meetings. And now they're sober. And their life's back together. And it's still challenging. And they still have ups and downs, right? Like, but they're sober. They don't run to this thing that used to cripple them and take them out of the race, you know? And so I'm grateful to be here. And, you know, we have a lot of people here. So I'm going to end. But I um, love you guys. And wherever you're at, just be there. If you're on step one, do step one. Do it. If you're on step two, do it. If you're on step three, do it. Finish the steps, all of them, all 12 of them. You will not get the added measure that you're looking for for your life personally if you don't do the steps. I promise you that. It won't be enough to just come. It'll work for a while, but it won't be eventually. But if you do the steps, which continues into this step and then the 12th step, it will be enough because it's never ending. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Carvin Marvin, how are you? I'm doing well. Here we have uh, some technical issues, so we have one mic, but it looks like the sound is pretty good on it. If we can get Jay to stay on the mic. I'm right here. Jay, I love that hat. What does it say? Make surfing great again. Make a picture and post <laughs> it on our Instagram's I account. I will do that. Okay. Marvin, you are Thanks, here because Todd. you're an addict. Is this true? Uh, and yes, it is, unfortunately. I want to start right off the bat because... Um, Word we hear it, but you know people are saying, "Oh, I don't like that people identify as an addict." Yeah. And at first, after they have recovery, after the recovery, yeah, like, yeah. Why are you still saying that, Jay? Is that question like, what's well, de- it's deprecating? All these why articles that are become, coming out. Um, and I think people within the church, because of repentance, you're yeah. like, forget, you know, repent and forget, forget it. Uh, don't air your dirty laundry. We're meeting that state president, right? Mm-hmm. We had that long discussion. That's why we were talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Marvin, why do you identify as an addict? How does it help you? Uh, Start off with that question. I mean, it's I could see where it's easy to get caught in that trap. Um, as far as where do I fall? Why do I need to identify? I mean, it's a lifelong process. I'm going to be battling this my entire life. I can't just give it up and, like, walk away. It's something that I have to battle every single day of my life, and it's a choice. Um, so I choose to identify because it helps me throughout my day. Does it help other people when you identify as well? Uh, yeah, I, I believe so. I, I mean, I, I would hope that it would. Um I mean, this, like I said, it's a lifelong process. So people that are new in recovery, they, you know, they want to know that it works. And, okay. and if, if they see someone that's not identifying, why would they even be there if, totally. you know what I mean? It gives so, them hope. Gives so them hope. Let's, uh, so when you first came to an ARP meeting, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you heard some people that identify as addicts. I did. Um, and l- let's first talk about what your uh, state of mind was when you first walked in the ARP meeting, and then let's go way back to where this began. So, I was out of my mind. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I, I, I didn't know what we're, was we're up, smiling which one was because down. we remember when you walked into a meeting the first time I was a train wreck um, I had been using cocaine for for years um, and uh, I, I hurt my family in the process and it I was a train wreck man and what brought you to that AR that ARP meeting where Jay and I met you the first time was that the first time you met yeah. Jay okay yeah. so the first time so my wife brought me um, my loving wife I'm thankful for her. Um, she brought me to the ARP meeting, and uh, did you come willingly or kicking and screaming? I, or? I came hesitantly, uh, just because I, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I I've been previously been going to AA for years and years. Um, I had up at 15 years at one point a sobriety, and I, I walked away from that um, while I was a member of the church, and so I thought it was just like watered down AA. Really didn't think it was going to be able to help me. And uh, it's it's been helping actually. <laughs> you are the one that mentioned the word water down ARP initially. Right. Yeah. Um, I remember that. Yeah. Um, and so let's let's rewind all the way back. Um, did you uh, grow up in the church? Not in the church. You grew convert to the church. I grew up a poor white kid in a black neighborhood in Long Beach, California. Okay. It's like a song like My Father gave me a name. That's song. Is that from The Jerk? Well, no, no, yeah, well, the movie The Jerk. But he he says uh, a poor white man in a black name. That's good. That 90s song? Yeah, Yeah, 90s Uh, song. You know that's from the movie The Jerk with Steve uh, Martin. Martin. Have you seen that? He's like, I was born a poor white. Oh, no, I was born. Brad Schoen. Okay, whatever. I can't even remember the line. So you go to Long Beach, not a member of the church. Not a member. Long Beach, if you're not from here, uh, there's some very nice parts of Long Beach down by the water, and then there's some not-so-nice parts. There's some not-so-nice parts. Some hood. Straight hood. Were you in the hood part? I was. Okay. Yeah. uh, It could be, It's. I mean, Snoop Dogg's from Long Beach. From Long Beach. Does not live there anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I actually went to school with his cousin, or his brother. Warren G? No, Bing. Bing? Okay. Bing is his cousin's name, but uh, Long Beach was a good experience. It was good and bad. I mean, it taught me uh, there are other places in the world that, you know, it just kind of opened my eyes uh, to see what's out there in the world and and to kind of, gosh, I mean, it introduced me to so many different types of people and and, uh, cultures, backgrounds. I mean, it kind of gave me a leg up, I think. During later in life, were you LDS when you? I wasn't. No. Oh. So I grew up Catholic. Um, so how did you get introduced to the church? Oh, how did I get introduced to the church? So uh, I met a girl in an AA meeting. Boom. Okay. <laughs> and that uh, sounds like a song there, right there. Yeah. Met a girl in an AA meeting. That's better than country song. <laughs> no, that's ARP. AA. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Met a girl in AA. Go so ahead. so I met her at, at an AA meeting and. Uh, Loosen up a little bit, Marvin. You're a little stiff. We kind of we kind of hit on. it off and. Uh, so she took me to meet her dad, who was the state president, and Ooh. he handed me a Book of Mormon, and and uh, he wrote some some message in it. I didn't think much of it. Were at, you religious at, at all? Were you religious at all going to church, or like Jay grew up with no religion at all? I mean, I, I was Catholic, so I went to church, you know, two three times a year. Okay. You know, Easter, Christmas. Okay. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I mean, I was spiritual because I had the AA background. I was okay. sober at the time. And, um, what was your higher power, God, in AA? It was G- well, Jesus. God and Jesus, yeah. Okay. Um, so I've always had that belief. Um, 
living. Uh, it's so he hands you, he's like, you're dating my daughter. She's an AA. <laughs> she was, like, obviously, she if you was, met her there. She was a questionable AA, yeah. She was attending <laughs> AA meetings. But not where they She was attending AA meetings, but not really working a program. Not working the program, yeah. okay. But she was cute, so you render. Yeah, so, okay. so so we went out. Keep um, warming, girl. Keep warming, girl. And uh, on the way home, we some country song came on, and and we felt the spirit. Yeah, I don't know what the what country song, song was. Song? I don't know what it was, but oh, it was a country I'm song. A country. Are you a country fan? And uh, she asked me, she's like, "Do you know what that is?" And I was like, "No." And she's like, "That's the Holy Ghost." And I didn't. I and I got chills in my arms. And uh, she she's like, "Do you want to meet the missionaries?" I'm like. Okay. How long have you been dating at this point? Oh, uh, maybe, I don't know, less than a month. Less than a month? Less than Sweet. a month. So what did on. you say? Uh, well, a question. Is she still drinking? She's in AA and not working the program. So she's still drinking, but she's introducing you to the missionaries. But she's hiding it. So I oh, didn't, I didn't, didn't know. know this at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. But I, it, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't surprise me because it's like people cannot be living the commandments without the testimony of the church, right? Sure. And she's like, she's like, hey, come on. Like, this is good. Come taste some of the good water for sure even though she wasn't necessarily participating all the way yeah so uh we met the missionaries the missionaries asked me if i wanted to be baptized i was like yeah duh that's why i'm here and bob's your uncle <laughs> okay so you joined the church yeah yeah and you got married and happily ever how after how old were you oh yeah that's good so i was 23 23 okay um i think i had a one month window where i could serve a mission or not yeah. oh and um it, during that one month time i met my wife Okay. Not this lady. Not the previous girl. So okay. the, the previous girl who introduced me to the church, she ended up going to jail for stealing money off people's credit cards at a major department store and going to jail. I inherited a cat whose name was Jake, <laughs> and Jake is my wife's ex-boyfriend's name. So <laughs> that's what are the odds? <laughs> so like you're holding this cat named Jake, and she's like, hey, that's I know that, and yeah. that's how you met. Oh, that's cool. No, actually, we met at the temple. Uh, when I, when I joined the church, uh, the, the guys and the girls took separate cars down to San Diego Temple. Like in a singles ward type thing? Singles ward. Okay. Uh, went and did baptisms, and uh, I met her in the temple. Now, at this wow. time, you're... Uh, That's not, that doesn't always happen. No. Like meeting in, in the temple. I know, that's special. You, hopefully you end up, but yeah, special. So, um, question like with ARP, like you're working 12-step program through AA, you joined the church. Had you, did you know anything about ARP? Did, did, it, did people know when you joined church that you were going 12 steps, or do you kind of keep that like Mormons are going to think I'm weird or not good <laughs> enough because I'm going to 12-step meetings? So um, I, I kept going for a little bit. Um, to when, AA. To AA. Okay. Because uh, ARP, I don't think, was in existence at that point. 1985. That's the crazy part it was. <laughs> 1985, <laughs> probably before you were born. <laughs> yeah, it was a year before I was born. It was Seriously? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. That's when I found out. I'm like, are you kidding me? This has no been around this long? And no one. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So many stories that go back 20 years and so, none of that. Was like, so my mind's like, that stake president and his daughter, wow. like he probably didn't even know about it. Yeah. And like he could have had his daughter in an ARP meeting and like, cause she was still keen on the church. Like she was like, yeah, she probably would have maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Okay. So that blows your mind, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> so you met your, this uh, nice young lady. Did you do what I did, Marvin? I think this is what a lot of people do when I talk to them. When they join the church, they think that. Um, not on purpose, just like it's just a natural thing that like, oh, I found the gospel, I found the explanations of why I'm here, you know, where I came from, why I'm here, where I'm going, and then therefore like, I'm okay, this information, like the knowledge alone will keep me from ever wanting to go back to that old life. Did you think that? Because I did, and that's why I never uh, like seek, 
you know, more like A or help. Or but you didn't necessarily go to 12 steps for... No, but like I, I like I was, dude, I was a massive alcoholic when I joined the church. I was a massive tobacco addict, if you want to call it that or whatever. And But you weren't introduced to any 12 steps AA or... No, that, right? but I thought, like what I'm saying is, I thought my conversion to the knowledge yeah. was enough. Like, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it was yeah, gradual decline for me. Um, okay. I mean, when I got married, it was like, bam, 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 so... I so got, you so you meet and then you just got married. Right so we got me married, San Diego Temple, moved to to Provo, Utah, went to BYU. I graduated there. Was fine up until graduation, and then after that, it, something happened where the decline happened, and I was I was obsessing about it a little bit more than actually I I never even thought about it while I was at BYU. Yeah, because um, you're just isolated a little bit. What's up? You're isolated from like totally. Yeah, yeah, completely. Especially isolated. at that time. Yeah, you know, a little bit longer ago. A little less stress in life, maybe. Yeah, it was or, a lot less stress. I yeah. mean, we barely had our first kid, uh, and uh, I mean, things were going good, so it wasn't really even a thought during that time. But then, after when the stresses of life hit, finding a job, working. Yeah, like now I got to go actually be a provider. That was a big thing <clears> for me. Like, I was able to stay semi clean for about a year. And then all of a sudden I joined, you know, or didn't get married. And it was like, found out we were pregnant a month later. It was like, and school, all that combined was like, whoa. Like, yeah. I got to, I got to like do something that I don't really know how to do, which is like, just be a fa- like be a husband, a father, like, right. I don't need those things. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so where do you go from there? So, so you say it starts to come, that stresses of life. So do you immediately start using, do you start dibbling in things that lead to a one thing or the other? I mean, remember the, the audience who's listening could be. 100% in recovery, or they could be have a loved one in recovery, or they could just be like trying to figure this whole thing out. So yeah. like your story can, no matter where it's at, could relate to them. So I went to grad school in New York, moved back. Uh, we moved out to California in 2011, and and uh, it gradually started going down there. I, I honestly, it comes down to too much free time. What, what do you mean it started going down? So like, there? I mean, just like thoughts. Uh, it, it starts in my head first. Okay. Um, and when I, the, my thought process is, it's like I, I think about it first, and then I go and do it, right? So, so when you moved back to California, had you relapsed at all? No. Well, okay. So no, no. you just start thinking about using. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, you just these like little romanticizing thoughts. Romanticizing it in your head. Yeah. You know, okay. and um, I've worked in rec- I've worked in recovery since 2011, and and. Uh, what does that what, just, is, what does that mean? I worked in recovery. So I, I work at drug and alcohol treatment centers throughout the years, and uh, doing admissions for for treatment centers, helping people detox off of drugs and alcohol, okay. um, getting them the help that they need uh, for people. So like, you're in the like business of me. recovery, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it was something that was kind of second nature to me, um, something that I really in love enjoyed doing, and um, it just was. It, it, everyone I knew was sober. You know, mm-hmm. I moved back to California. I've been to AA meetings for 10, 15 years. I know a lot of people in recovery. So yeah. it was really easy industry for me to get into. Okay. And, yeah. and that's kind of the avenue that I took. Uh, and then it just was a gradual decline. I, you know, I stopped going to the, those AA meetings that I was going to and and uh, s- slowly but gradually going down that path of, of no return. And, um, you know, it, when you get to that point, you, you, you're – it's like a crossroads. You're thinking, like, if I do this, am I going to be able to get back or not? Or just, like, who cares? Yeah. You know, and I was Is like, it really going to make that big a difference? Now it's been a long period of time <clears throat> since you've been off drugs, right? Like, I know that's something for me, too. Like, the longer you get um, – so the longer you have sober, the more you can easily forget, obviously, especially if you stop going to meetings, right? For sure. By going to meetings, that's why they say, like, focus on your own recovery first. But, like, I could see how it could happen. You, It's like – 
you're kind of in this quasi, like, you are working recovery because you're helping other people get recovered, mm-hmm. but, like, you're not attending your own meetings. Yeah. You're just like... For yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I made my, my, my job, those were my meetings. But yeah. in reality, I just I let my sobriety... Your own, like, like yeah. Slip away. Going to meetings and talking about, like, hey, man, I'm struggling with, you know, wherever you're, you're at. Because you can't say you're struggling in those meetings. You, you gotta, can't say you're struggling. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're here to you're help. You're trying to sell someone recovery. You're helping someone who's dying off of heroin. I mean. If you, you say know. you're struggling, they're going to be like, well, look at you, bro. You got 10 years. You got five years. Yeah, like, I'm never going to have hope if you Yeah, if this guy's exactly. still suffering. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it so that's a, that's trying a, to live that lie, yeah. basically. So, so segue here. Um, people talk about my home meeting mm-hmm. and then other meetings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we even hear that in the church with ARP, like, oh, I'm going my visiting my home meeting. So maybe people have moved, mm-hmm. and, but they still come back maybe to get their one-year chip or three-year chip from their home meeting, but they may be serving and attending another meeting. Yeah. Um, and that's like wh- me why in is that? Yeah. Yeah, San Clemente is your like, like, like That's why? like my home meeting. Do, do, that's you, do you share, is it a different type of share in your home meeting versus maybe uh, a meeting that... Well, I feel like uh, this is actually a good point to bring up because it kind of goes with Marvin's story. Like, um, I agree. I like I can relate to what he's saying, where you're helping people, because now in the church it's different than outside. Like AA, there is no leader. There's a, every six months is a rotation of people who set up chips and coffee and stuff like that, and you open the meeting and that's it. Like there's okay. no, you don't there's no title for sure. That's the whole point of AA is not okay. having a title. But with the church, but they we pass that on to someone else. Every to, six months, always changing, so okay. the egos don't get out of control because we all have egos, right? And but with, in the church, it's interesting because we don't have that scenario set up. And I've noticed too, like when being a leader now for a few years in a meeting, as far as a facilitator, you you're get everyone's like looking at you. So like your share, like I mean, I'm not going to get up there and talk about my what's going on in my life. You which, do a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I but that's because I've like tried really hard to like that. And everyone like a, listening to this, here's your shares. Yeah. So yeah, that's why right. I asked you. Like <laughs> your shares are on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, like I've I, I've been able to find a balance only because of stories like Marvin's and people that I'm trying to learn from always that are ahead of me in recovery and just their life experience. I don't care how many days someone has. If you have more experience than me, like, I'm going to try to learn from it. And one thing that I remember hearing a lot was this type of story where it's like you can work and, you know, like, and I do feel that. You feel that demand of, like, oh, I can't really say what's on my mind because, like, dude, who's going to, like, <laughs> what newcomer? If I walked into a meeting and a guy <laughs> was telling me that it saved their life but they're still struggling, I'd be like, well, then it doesn't work. You know what I mean? It right. doesn't mean that's true, but that's what like your brain right. goes to any excuse. So right? is it helpful to go to another meeting so that maybe super. you're not leading and go and and share, yeah, m- maybe more personal about where you're at that day or that week? Yeah, it um, can be. It can be because like I was also told, I'm sure Marvin will contest to this, is that when the newcomer comes in, like you, 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 you it's the shares are about them. Like you focus, mm-hmm. and this is also a process. <clears throat> I mean, if you do this once a week or once a day, imagine how your ego can be shedded, right? Because you're not talking about your life and your problems because you've already talked about your problems in your head. But, like, you can now talk about the solution, and then that's how that connects to that young, and that's also why we identify, right? So mm-hmm. the answer to your question, yes, um, it is a little bit different, but not, no, I guess, not that much. So would you recommend, if there's facilitators listening to this, that they may benefit by going to another meeting? For and, sure. And, and you sharing. probably feel the same pressure I do. Yeah. For sure. And the same pressure Marvin did in his business. Because we have facilitators come to our meeting from other sure. meetings. And I know other yeah. facilitators that feel the same way, where yeah. it's like, we just want to go sometimes and just say, this is what's going on in my life. Be anonymous in a meeting. Yeah, just be like, yeah, like, I look forward to the day that these meetings are, are going 24-7 in the church, because I believe that will be. There'll be morning, midday, and night. Um, eventually, um, 
And I could just like just show up and I'm like, hey, dude, this is what's going on today. And like no one knows who I am. Like I can just say, yeah. but I can also talk about the solution. <laughs> right. And, but sometimes it's just good to get it out. But in the church, you know, sometimes that can be not in the church, in the calling of being a quote yeah. unquote, like in the leadership. Then Yeah. Okay. So you felt that because you're yep. leading these meetings and things like that in recovery and you weren't working your program. Right, weren't were probably contact with your sponsor as much. Exactly. I Maybe. mean, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't letting out those feelings. Uh, I wasn't letting people know what's going on in my life. You know, I wasn't being accountable. I kind of just backed off, and and uh, which and, feels and relief that, in the beginning. You're like, oh man, yeah, it's like, it's like cool. finally I can relax. because oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. What? It's a lot to be accountable to someone 24/7, especially after five years oh, or oh. ten years. Yeah. Gotcha. So it felt good for him, is what he's saying, to be able to take a take a step back and just do his job and kind of not really check him about anything from himself, you know? But that's where pride came in, though. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right? In the beginning, it lasts like two seconds, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, it goes from relaxing to chaos. Yeah. Quick, quickly. I mean, right? my head tells me I can, I got this. It's not a problem. And uh, sure enough, I mean, over time, I mean, obviously, I'm here. I'm talking to you guys. I relapsed. But, um, you know, you let that pride get in, and it'll take it, – it'll take – take over and uh it's not a good place to be can i ask you about that relapse sure like was it did you romanticize in your head like have it all planned out or was it spur the moment type situation or was it thought you know planned out in your head of how you're gonna do it it's gonna be this one time or you know i was was working around i was working around individuals who were who were using on a daily basis and i basically held out for a month um and and uh, they they were offering me, you know, drugs. So you so you're in the treatment center. No, this is oh. Oh. so I I, I got I got to go back. So okay. I worked in the treatment center. They sold the treatment center sold. So I was looking for a new job, and I ended up going down to San Diego at a at, a, at some business that I was working at selling roofs or something, and uh, and everyone was using drugs. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, so you're surrounded by other people. Surrounded by offering. drug addicts currently using, and it wasn't a good place for someone in recovery to be. Okay. And so I held out for a month, finally said, okay, screw it, let's do this. And uh, I was off and running. Next okay. thing you know, I wake up Christmas Eve out of a blackout from cocaine, and I had destroyed my entire house. Uh, how, how long did was that time period from relapse to that? Uh, dude, it took me down quick. What, like months or weeks or year? Like, uh, three months probably. Okay. And uh, had your wife had seen a change in you at all? Did she suspect it? Oh yeah. I mean, I I started withdrawing prior to that just because my head was in that in that place. You know, okay. uh, that's what I do. I withdraw. I, I stay away from people, um, because that's where my disease takes me. It wants me to isolate. Okay. You know, and slowly kill myself is is essentially what it comes down to. Okay. So within three months, you were. <laughs> on my knees in my living room and I literally the, the house was flooded uh, everything was turned on because I was super paranoid that everyone was listening even though no one even really cared um, and uh, I woke up out of this blackout and I felt pain uh, like life changing pain that I never wanted to do this again like you knew you let down, not only let down, but like just hurt your children. Dude, Christmas life. presents were unopened. So you know, it's like I, I opened them all up, yeah. threw them out, and oh, the house was a mess. My poor wife. Um, it's something that I never want to forget because I don't want to ever do that yeah. again. You know what I mean? Totally. It sucks. Totally. I feel the same way about, like I always say on here, like 
we, we went and talked on Sunday in another ward about another stake about ARP and um, shared my story about like the worst best day of my life was Lexi saying that she hated me and that she meant it like you know what I mean yeah. like, and like it wasn't just to get at me there was no <clears throat> tears there was no arguing it was just like I hate you and the look on her face was probably that same look when your wife comes home it's like the whole entire Christmas is ruined you're just like that feeling of like whoa I didn't think you're like for Brett for you know those of you listening it's like your disease doesn't when you're using it it's like you're only hurting yourself you know what I mean and no one really you know because you're in pain so that's why you're doing it. there's all these excuses and um, you just don't think that it's going to ever get to that point where it's going to affect other people that love you because like your brain tells you that they're always going to love you and they're enablers or whatever it is and when all of a sudden it hits the fan and they look at you with those eyes or you know you let your family down it's the worst it's the worst. It's the worst. There's, no, the yeah, there's no other thing. Like, you can't get any worse than Except that. in the back of a cop car. Those, that's yeah, that on top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got a cop car, too? No, no, uh-huh. but I have been in the past. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That also feel guilty, too. All right, so... So then now uh, that brings you to the meeting? The first right. time, ARP? So, yeah, that so brought us to the meeting. How, um, how did your wife... How did yeah, you how know did about you, it? Like, you didn't know about it before when you were active in AA. Someone does, someone told me about it. I didn't, I didn't remember it, but my wife did. Okay. Um, because I gone down this downward spiral she she was like hey you need to go here we go to the San Clemente meeting first step honesty you happen to show up on the first step yeah okay and you were familiar with these things already yeah okay and uh I just break down in tears and I, I came clean to her and finally told her like what the heck is going on in the meeting or outside the meeting? outside the meeting after okay. did you share that first meeting I did. Just, did I did um and it was tough you know, but your wife was there with you. Wife was there, okay. even tougher. You know, because I had hurt totally. her so bad, and um, for me to say anything at that point it was like pointless. You know, because I hurt her so bad. And uh, anyway, we went out to that meeting afterwards, and we we got in the car, and I I came clean. I told her what was going on, and and she was crying. I heard her again in the parking lot. You know. Right. But, disclosing everything. Yeah, by disclosing everything. And um, I finally just, like, gave up. And I quit fighting it. And once I did that, you know, it was easier for me to get sobriety. Um, you feel free. Like, instantaneously. Free. Yeah, you don't In have that way. monkey on your back. In a weird way. Like, you're still, like, think about think about this. Like, those of you guys who are listening, like, the worst moment of his life. You know, one of the worst moments of his life. We've all had hard times. But, like, you're at this bottom. Nothing's fixed, right, at all. But just the act of telling, like, saying what everyone already already sees, but you saying it yourself frees you from your current, like, situation in a sense. Like, even though, like, you still have a bunch of wake, there's wake, right? The boat stopped. For sure. The wake is still coming. You still have a lot of stuff to repair. But at that moment, you feel like, okay, I can handle this. Right. And then nothing's changed. Like, no, you didn't, you know, your life's still not put back together, your job, marriage, all this stuff. But, like, just saying it. All of a sudden, boom, like you're like, oh, man. I had a glimmer of hope. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, we look over step one and just like, oh, it's just about saying you're on drugs, you know, just admitting. No, like, when you really do that, you may be way past step one, quote, unquote, but when you fully disclose everything in your fourth or fifth step or whatever it is, whatever day it is of your sobriety, it changes your life. Haven't you, you shared before, Jay, I think that when you're in your addiction, you're just lying. 
every, every yourself, yeah. every most when an addict say, is using that the saying is every time their lips are moving, they're lying because you you can't have pride. It says pride and ego can't coexist, or pride and honesty can't coexist, and, and they really can't. Like if you have pride, those think about all the times we have in our life. Like we're we're like I'm right in this situation, and you may be, but if you're having the thoughts in your head and you're saying I'm right in this situation, maybe it's with your wife, your spouse, your husband, your calling, your your employer, employee, whatever it is. Those moments are when pride is in your head, even if you're right. Like that still yeah. can be pride. And then so just know that when you're in that moment, you're not honestly looking at the situation because even I've had moments where I'm sure Marvin will say the same, and so will you, Brad. When you're you're honest in the moment, you're, you you know you're right, and therefore you don't feel like that need to be like, you know what I mean? Does right. that make sense? Where you're controlling the situation, you're like, because I already know I'm right. Yeah. Like, and and that's a humble. There's two different ways of being about it. So absolutely. So you come to the meeting. You go to that first meeting. Do you go to another meeting? I mean, what goes on from there? So after that meeting, I, I ended up telling her people like me need to go to treatment, mm-hmm. and uh, so I went to a place. You, you told her that. I yeah, told people her people like me. Yeah. Okay. Because you were scared to use in the next. I was, you, you know how quick it can come back. I was done. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, went to treatment and uh, was there for thirty days. It was a great place, uh, out in the desert, and I come back. Kind of reset. Can, right? can we talk about it? What is, what is what did treatment do for you? Because some people we've talked to, they got sober without going to treatment. Yeah, they went to a twelve-step meeting and they got sober. And other people go to a treatment. What working in the industry and you you t- you said I need this. Why did you need it, and what did it provide for you? <laughs> so I grew like I said, I grew up a poor white kid in a black neighborhood. I didn't mention my mom was schizophrenic, and uh, that alone I had baggage with. Um, so I was carrying this throughout my entire life, and never really got it out. Never really was able to. Tell that to anyone. Tell the things that have happened in my life to anyone else. Um, they tried to do it when I was littler, but I was I was young. I was a kid, you know, trying to get me to say, "Hey, did your mom touch you? Were you molested?" Blah blah blah. I didn't want to share about that stuff. Did yeah, when you, you did the four, when memory. you did the fourth no. step with AA? Did that not didn't come out? Uh, on my fourth step, yeah, but okay. but not. It did on my fourth step. Okay. But I needed to talk deeper about it okay. because the sponsor is is there to sponsor me. For, for drug and alcohol treatment, and a therapist can go into those underlying issues, okay. things that so can happen. So you knew you still needed to address those Absolutely. Things. So okay. I went in and addressed, addressed those underlying issues, and uh, I'd love to tell you that I got sober afterwards, um, but I ended up relapsing once more uh, for the final time, and uh, I, I walked into the meeting completely high. And in what meeting? Into the, the Mission Viejo meeting. Into an tw- ARP meeting? Into the ARP meeting. Okay. And uh, I, I told on myself afterwards. And uh, You mean in the meeting you told on yourself? So yeah, because okay. I was a hot mess. And uh, so afterwards... Like, uh, was it the one time you got high and yeah. then you went to the meeting? Yeah, so I got high. Were you high. planning on going to the meeting that night and you still got high? I was or? planning on going to the meeting, had every good intention to go and not use, but that wasn't the case. I found my car driving me to the dealer's house. and uh, Okay. It's, it's cunning, baffling, powerful that way. That's what the big book talks about. And um, it's unfortunate that it happened, and I, but I was obsessing about it, you know? I wasn't done, apparently. Yeah. Um, but after that meeting, I went in, and, and they, I got a blessing from Jay and Xander, um, and I, I haven't used since, you know? Um, it's weird that I, I you know, kind of grew sober in AA and then go to this ARP, I was thinking it was watered down AA. We talked about that earlier, but it's really not, you know. Um, it's the same principles. 
it's the same principles, same 12 steps. Um, the only difference that I found is the spirit and, and drawing closer to it through ARP. I mean, you hear, hear a little bit here and there in AA meetings about, like, you know, you feel the spirit. But, I mean, the meetings that we go to, there's, it's solid. You know, it's, it's recovery in its purest form. And it's beautiful. And it's helped me change my life. It's helped a lot of people change their lives. And I'm grateful for that. You know, that blessing that I, I gave, I don't know what was said that, that was given to me. Um, but I've stayed sober since. They, <laughs> right afterwards, I told them I didn't want to go tell my wife that I just used and, uh, and that's what we hit. We're like step one, right? We're they're like, like, dude, you gotta go tell them. Well, we, we just I just remember the look of chaos, and you're like, well, okay, cool. So like, I'm good, right? And it was like, uh, uh, it's like yes and no. It's like telling your wife. It just you know, obviously she's gonna know anyway. Like that's the thing is we think we're I don't know. There's so many things that's interesting when you're sharing. It's like look at it, look at the intentions of an of an at, just because you're. Just because you're addict doesn't mean you don't have good intentions. Like you were still going to a meeting and you still went to a meeting. Like, and that's not you're not the first or the last person that will still pick up before they go to a meeting. Like, you know what I mean? Right. This is how when we say it's baffling, it's because even with righteous intentions and really you, and you fulfill those intentions, you know you need to be there. We all know we need to be there. You can still use and and, and go. Like, you know what I mean? But it's cool because it's like you said because maybe the gospel was, you know, in that room a little bit stronger, you know, than an AA because you're learning about internal truths. The spirit's a little stronger. You're able to walk right up to us afterwards and go, boom, this is what I did. Of course, we already knew because you could just feel the vibe, <laughs> you know, but, uh, and we, because we've been there and then, and then go right afterwards and say, okay, cool, step one, you got to go get honest. And then, and then it's all, it, it's all going to be uphill from, you know, or downhill, uphill, whatever. It's all good after that because now we just get back to work and you did, you drove home and I'm like, and you, I remember you like, Dude, I'm gonna do this, and then you call me like, everything's good. I'm like, whoa, see, like you know what I mean? It's it's crazy. Yeah, I was thinking everything bad that could possibly go through your mind. Because you had a little bit of time at this point. Yeah, you've been out of the rehab for a couple, like a month maybe. So you had a time in the rehab a month out of that. Yeah, I think you had about like sixty something days. I think right? I had sixty days. Yeah. yeah. So you're like, oh man, like, and this is the fear of God getting honest in this program. You're like, especially in the church, outside of the church too, in AA, I'm sure, in NA or whatever. But in the church, you're like, man. Now am I going to look at it as like, oh, here's the guy who went back again. Like, you know what I mean? How yeah. am I going to be judged? Like, you know. So when you hear Marvin's story about going to treatment, probably wasn't cheap, and then relapsing quickly, you are, Jay, you understand the baffling nature of it. Mm -hmm. it it's baffling, but it doesn't shock you. Not at all. And to the normie, they're probably like, what the is wrong like, with you guys? Like, why do you guys like, keep doing this? Why would you even go to, you were just faking it. Why didn't you learn from it? your childhood? Like, <laughs> why didn't you learn from this? It, but to understand that it's baffling. Because and and I, isn't it interesting yeah. that when you describe Satan, he's cunning. He's cunning. Right? Like, totally. so, Absolutely. So the cunning nature of him is just that. It's, yeah. And, and to think that Satan's not cunning. And I, I tell me if this is wrong assumption. Like, once you've opened that door for addiction, yeah. like once you've let that in, for sure, then he knows how to be even more cunning. He knows how to be more cunning with you because he knows kind of yeah. your hot buttons, even like how to, how to this, stoke your fire. Even and, and even if you're listening to this and you're atheist, you're going, well, I don't believe this, but I believe in recovery. That's why I'm listening to this. I'll tell you what, they've even proven like once you created the synapse, right? They say you created the roadmap in your it's brain of decision and habit. You, you should call it Satan influence you, call it just science in your brain. No matter what, like you just said, Brad, when you create that synapses for anything, it's just like going to the gym consistently for 12 months. I promise you the, the 13th month is going to be a lot easier than it was month one. And the same thing with this, like when your brain 
brain realizes that, hey, certain actions can get me dopamine and might, you know, make me happy, make me release relief, pain, and, and stress and anxiety. Your brain then, every time you feel stress, pain, and anxiety, goes, boom, I got, I got ways for that. Like, I can cure that. I know where to cure it. And because your brain's like a computer of solving problems, that's all it is, is one big problem solving. Mm -hmm. The shortcut. Shortcut, yeah, it's all about a short, <laughs> exactly. It's all about shortcutting pain and getting to pleasure. So your brain stores all the good things that bring you happiness, but it also will find you the quickest way to get happiness. Gotcha. And if that's sex, pornography, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, it's gonna go there first. And that's why people need treatment sometimes in the beginning because their, their addiction has progressed to such a point that they can't even get 24 hours, let alone, and they're right. on a drug or alcohol binge that can kill them. You know, obviously, it's you need to be there. Then, then if you're at a situation where you can get longer than that, then obviously, just as many meetings as possible. Being honest, the steps change your life. And like you said, therapy brought a whole new level of recovery. How many months do you have now since that day? Over, uh, over six. He's right? pulling up his two hundred and thirty-one days. Boom. Hold on. What app is that you're using? I have no idea. It's, well, it's, it's, it's called Days. It's called Days. You just click on Days and it pulls it up. Yeah. Sweet. But does it do anything else on there? On that? Nope. Nothing else. Just some of them do. The some days. of them right have like some all of them do. Okay. You can pay. The point for is, is 231 days ago. Do I need to tell my wife? Look at you did it. Not only did she not leave you, you guys are are, are, are living what life is, which is ups and downs, trying to figure it all out. You know, you've been blessed in so many different ways, like with work and, and different experiences, helping in the meetings. You're a huge cornerstone in our meeting. I know that for a fact. Mm -hmm. I mean, you didn't know this, but just shortly before that, like, we didn't have a lot of people. Like, you know what I mean? We had just got Michelle started with a guy who was coming solely to ours, and then now he's, but he lived there, so it was perfect. And then it was like, kind of like, oh, we're in this like limbo stage. And I think we maybe have just spoken the words, and that's maybe how their wife heard about it and the bishop or whatever. Yeah. But the point is, is like, now you're a cornerstone for sure. Like, there are people that are coming to our meetings when they hear your share. It's no different than anyone else. They're like looking at that, at you going, wow, like, I, this guy's laughing like we laugh during shares you know what I mean like we have a nervous <laughs> laugh but sometimes and it's it's just usually we're just laughing because like do we know what's up and when you when you're walking in like your first meeting you were not laughing <laughs> when people share you didn't laugh you were you had you were pure you know it was, it was just sad it was angry yeah it was it's anger at yourself anger at God anger at all just like when I went to my first several meetings I if anyone was there like we had James at one time on the meeting or Xander or anyone they'll tell you that like I was bitter for months. Like I, I was bitter at the world. I had all the excuses that what I was doing was justified. And but the spirit, you can't deny it. And that's why I never went to A or NA, even though I wanted to, because I needed more than one meeting a week at the time. And that's all we had for ARP. I was just like, I knew I needed the spirit as much as I didn't have it in my life. I knew I needed it. And I was like, if I go there, it'll eventually come. And sure enough, it came. Absolutely, it's amazing. It's awesome. What it, it, I took away too, like your drug before was alcohol. Mm -hmm. You went to AA, mm -hmm. and then so your your transfer addiction was to cocaine. Yeah, um, and this this is unfrequent. It could be pornography. It could be that's common, right? Uh, I mean, it could be substituting something, like, one thing just for another. It's just yeah. if you hung out with a bunch of dudes looking at porn or going to strip clubs or something, you might have done that for yeah. sure. If it was methamphetamines, it might have been yeah. that. If it was pills, like could have been right. Well, it's all to fill that hole that I have, you know, inside yeah. um, that nothing other than the spirit can can fill for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was trying to put band-aids on it with, with drugs, alcohol, and no, it, it works temporarily, 
but then all the pain and the sorrow that comes along with that isn't isn't even worth it. You know, that's the question you got to ask yeah, yourself. It really. eventually doesn't even work. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? And then we get to a point just like you were, where enough's not enough, and you use the point where you black out, which is what you Absolutely. did, right? Like so, and that's for every disease, even if it's sex. You'll you'll I've known men who went through several prostitutes in one day. You know what I mean? And and so, or or if you're talking about pornography, hours, three, five, six times a day. Not because you're a freak, but because like the guilt that comes after is so much that your brain goes, "Hey, duh, do it again." Like you know what I mean? You feel better. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. your brain's not thinking about the moral conduct, or it's, it's not thinking really about good. it's not thinking about the the it's not weighing out future options. Some people's brains work that way, but for addicts, they don't. Period. Yep. It just goes, "I don't want to deal with pain." Period. And yep. so it's like, boom, mm-hmm. shortcut, yeah. shortcut, shortcut. Marvin, if you um. When you were recently joined the church and you had learned about ARP and you're like, hey, there's these 12-step meetings that the church does. Oh, you did AA? Can you help out of that? Would you have taken advantage? What could someone have said to get you involved back then? You know, I think, I mean, for me, because I started out in AA, you know, I had a commitment early. I was picking up cigarette butts even though I wasn't smoking. Um, I I think a commitment or just like saying, hey, you need to be here because we need your help to help someone else. Yeah. Would have been huge. That's what I try, I try to do. So if you're listening That's what to we're this, to do, like, and I'm like, we go speak to wards or stakes, and they're like, we don't really have an ARP, or no one shows up. I'm like, 500 people in your stake. There's got to be a couple people that <laughs> went to AA. They got sober AA. Will you please come talk to us? We need you in these ARP meetings. Yeah. And I think you would have been a guy like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Well, you have ARP, sure. twelve For step sure. ARPs in the church. Like For if sure. you had heard sounds that awesome. back in the singles ward, like what we just talked about a singles ward in LA. Yeah. And I was saying how like in our singles ward, if someone would have came and said that, like for sure we would like because we were we we're all the type of it's interesting all of us that are addicts in recovery are also the same types of people when we're doing good like we generally do want to help other people like we're more likely it's, it's to all want to all or go. nothing it's all yeah we, we don't amazing. have this medium yeah but uh and that's you know that's what we're trying to figure out you know uh, is how to live because that can be bad too right you're once again living to help other people and not really taking care of yourself right well i mean when you're serving others you're not thinking about yourself exactly and that's the key thing to take away that's why service is so important that's why the 12 step keeps you sober is because you cannot fixate on your drama in your own head most of it is completely fabricated totally. created by your subconscious which we don't know why it's that way but it does you can't focus on that when you're when someone's in front of you like dying of whatever there is or their story is even gnarlier than yours. you thought you're serious you've been telling yourself for how many years your story's the worst and then boom you hear someone who's disabled in your meeting say that they can't even go out and get a regular job not from drugs and alcohol but they just because they're disabled that's the way they were born and you go oh pff, cool I'm sitting here complaining about the pain in my neck like maybe I should shut the hell up you know sorry totally. shut the heck up you know because it's so intense you that's the realness you don't yeah. get on Sunday sometimes, you know, and so that's why we're, you know, obviously that's why we do this podcast. But I do think that the church is trying to change that for, I think it is for third hour. I think it is it's changing, but also the format of Elders Quorum and Society and High Priest Group is like more of a discussion. Let's get real. Yeah. Let's talk it's about changing. the concept. Circling the chairs. I've noticed yeah. that a lot in our, mm-hmm. in our just in our ward, Brad. Um, I know I have a newborn, so I haven't been in a while. <laughs> but right before I left, I remember they were like, the, the, there was no more sitting at the front. Most of the teachers, whether they were asked to or not, we just like circled the chairs. Yeah. So I'm like, wow, reminds me of a meeting. Like you circle chairs and you have these conversations and it's so much more rewarding. Everyone goes away with something. So Everyone has to look at each other awkwardly. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot harder to just like, you have to be really committed to being an a-hole to just stay going everyone to the circle, which I can do. But I mean, I'm just like, Holy yeah, I'm in, this, I'm in this, I'm in this, I'm hooked, I'm hooked. Like, I'm just deal this. with it, I'm owning it. But anyways, your story is safe. Yes. I mean, 
it's already saved my life in so many ways because, um, and it still does every time I hear you share and to think about the thousands of people that are listening to this. I was just showing him before we got here. I'm like, hey, here's the listenership. He's like, those are all people? I couldn't I'm believe like, it. Dude, I, Dude, it's crazy. Like, you heard me. Like when Brad first had, I say this all the time, but when Brad asked me, just like when Xander told me to go to a meeting the first time, my ego's like, dude, I know what I'm talking about. Like, it's not going to work. Like, no one's going to listen to us. Yeah. But like I underestimated, um, I think, my purpose, your purpose, all of our purposes here on, on this life, and as well as the sad demand, right? right. It's not, it's not, but it's also, it, it turns into such a great thing. Right. Not sad. Like, look at you. Like, you're living such a good life. You're so aware of who you are. You, I mean, so much that he had to have surgery just recently. And uh, oh, what did you do before thing. your surgery? In recovery, right? Like, okay, you're in recovery. This you could have, topic you easily yeah. look at this as go and say, sweet man, I'm in like, I know, dude, I'm, I can't say I would do the same thing. I'm in recovery. I'm like, okay, I got five years. Cool. I got to get, you got to get a piece of bone surgically removed, right? From your elbow. Yep. And you could have walked in there and been like, yes, I want the full anesthesia. Like, I want to be knocked out and I want a whole bottle of Oxy right when I leave. <laughs> and they would do it without question. Oh, no doubt. No but what did you do? They offered it to me. Yeah. Um, so what was your experience? Uh, I took the non, non-lethal uh, yep. pr- approach, yeah. basically. <laughs> the right? <laughs> which is you, what? Which is what? Being honest and knowing that he could die. No, no, I know. So yeah, how, yeah, how did yeah. you approach that? Because yeah. we have... You have people that are like, I've had, I've heard people. I've seen, like, I've seen people. I'm, they're both. excited of a surgery because they know they're going to get seen prescribed. People do both, for sure. Dude, I've heard um, people breaking their arms just to get drugs. For sure. You know what I mean? Johnny Cash used to say with, with the way that they carry a hammer in one hand and their doctor's phone number in another. Really? <laughs> yeah, and change for a payphone. Because wow. they, one time they both broke their arms to go get opiate. Wow. These are two famous rich people. So, anyways, go on. Yeah. <laughs> right, so, so, did you tell the doctor? What, yeah, so I wake up out of, out of a. I come out, up, or come to, I guess, out of surgery, and uh, he said, all right, I'm going to write you a prescription for this, and I'm like, no thanks. Did um, they even ask you if you have a, uh, addiction no. before your surgery? They didn't, no. Okay. Um, Shouldn't doctors be asking that? But that should be It's something. on the checklist. It wasn't on the checklist. Yeah. Not you, on mine. Yeah. No, no. usually if you're, if you're a new primary, like if you're primary care, have you ever had... You know, your first time. I know it's like five pages, but you just like. Yeah, you're just trying to. You're like, no. I just want to go in there. I feel like crap. I'm sick. I got a sore throat, and I've been throwing up three days. Yeah. So, so they don't even. Which is crazy. They don't. They should be. It should be a mandatory thing. Okay, so you're coming to. Yeah, so I came to. He started writing this prescription, probably for Norco or something, and uh, and and we say no. You know, my wife's there with me, and and I get the tramadol, which is basically non-narcotic. and, and just to get me through that pain for the first few days. So, so is that a it recommended be, drug for yeah, I mean, pain? I mean, once, once again, I mean, he could have, like I said, gone straight to Oxy. Like, which is, that would be the easy way out. The, yeah, for the me. easiest way for in any addict, I don't care, cocaine or alcoholic, like, or an opiate addict, you're going straight for Oxy because you don't want Tyler. This is your one chance to get pure heroin. Or Tyler you want the good stuff. Yeah, you want the good stuff. No, that's what I'm saying. So that would be even a better approach, right? Like, because... There are levels of, of narcotics, right? And like anything that's mixed with Tylenol softens the pill. So, but when you have a surgery, you know, like every addict that's ever taken pills is like, dude, this is my chance to get a full bottle of Oxycontin, yeah. which Oxycontin is pure opium, nothing and, else. And, but pharmaceutical grade, which is as good as it but, gets. But, but Jay, with your story, is you didn't know like it would, how it would affect you. Yeah, the so, first time. So, yeah. but there was, 
you know, ignorant Mormons who yeah, maybe okay. didn't experiment with whatever, but they maybe the non-addict, but maybe they have addictive personality. Yeah, like the more I sure. talk to people, they're like, you know what, my kid might be. Oh, I, they demonstrate you the attributes. How many of our own friends, or just in our circle, or whatever, we talk about like, oh yeah, I remember when I had. They hear my story or our mm-hmm. story, or whatever, and then they're like, oh yeah, man, I remember when I had surgery, I took that thing, man, I felt great, man, I was bummed right. when those pills were out. Yeah. When I hear that, it's like boom, like that. That person will probably. It's hard to say for sure. They're probably going to end up with an opiate addiction at some point in their life because your life's full of pain. So you're yeah. going to end up having. An, that's how I was too. Like the first time I took it was on my mission. Or some Changed trigger of some crap Got, happens in their life, I mean, and just, they remember that. Yeah. And, and like, you can oh. dibble. And what I'm getting at is there's a lot of people that are listening, maybe, or just in the church that have. When I say dibble or dabble, they only take it when they need it, like when someone, a doctor, reason, headaches, whatever. But like they love it. It feels good. So if you have a euphoric high from a painkiller. Um, you need to be honest with yourself, right? But who's going to do that? Because you're going to always say the same thing I said, same thing Marvin said, or any of my friends have said, as Andrew, whatever, that I got this under control. Because in the beginning, you do. I could use you three days in a row and stop yeah. and save the last five for like a rainy day. And I could do that for years until seven years into it, there was no amount I could consume that would take the, the, that hole that he talked about, the pain away. Like, yeah. it was, there was nothing. I couldn't live one day. If you put pills right here and you're like, don't take it, I'm like, I promise They're you went and you went in the other room. <laughs> they were gone. gone. I, every time and I you went to your house, yeah, you were gone. <laughs> I was gone. And then I'd say, dude, someone else stole it. Like, I'd lie right to your face. I'd even help you look for it. <laughs> oh, totally. Like, dude, yeah. I think I know who took it. Like, I would create a story. <laughs> yeah. we have, me and Xander and our group of friends <laughs> totally. have circles like where we did this to each other. We'd steal pills from each other. Like, just like while in our addiction and then lie, yeah. I, there was no bathroom that was safe. There was no <laughs> closet that was safe. If I walked into your house, like think how many times I've been in your house, okay, a right? Lot, yeah. Okay, I guarantee. You just walk right in my house. Walk right in the house, but like we're hanging out, skating in the backyard with the kids. Yeah. There would be a time where I knew no one was in the house. Everyone's in the backyard, you or even just in the other room, and I would run in there and ravage through. As I knew they're either in your kitchen or your bathroom. Yeah. Nine out of ten, or there's sometimes a closet in the hallway. Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? But it's gonna be one of those three spots, and I'm gonna find it. And like. It got to a point where I remember back in the day where I could only take a couple. Like I used to, oh, I'm gonna just take a couple of these so I never get caught. Whatever. Yeah. To the point where, dude, if it was there, even it's if the gone. date was from gone. last month, it doesn't I'm gonna matter. Take it. You can't. You yeah. can't even. You can't control yourself. Like you can't. Like it's like with food addiction, right? You can't yeah. stop. That's an obsession of the mind. Yeah, because in your mind you still believe. You haven't gotten honest and said you still believe that that drug will achieve something more than the spirit like or just life like yeah you think you need it's it more than you need yeah it's help you're still in that lie that's why you say step one's honest us as addicts we really believe like like you talk to anyone like i was convinced that those pharmaceuticals were for me and why when it comes down to it, i do my four step i find out that all started that's why i share my mission president story mm-hmm. he's a great man he's a great very inspired mission president um, but I'll never forget the conversation. Words, that one said. word said, he, I said, I don't feel a spirit while using. And he said, well, he said, I can't legal. I'm not supposed to tell you medical advice. I am a retired doctor. But in my opinion, this is exactly what he said. You know, you need to use discretion, but God doesn't want us to have pain. And that was it. That's all my brain. And I remember where I was when he said it, just like where I was when I first got high off of him. <laughs> I remember I was sitting in my, in my kitchen on the floor distressed about my life, where it's going on my mission, on the phone with him, on our floor, my companion was in the other room, and I was sitting there in the kitchen staring at my thing. That's because it was, that was it. I needed that lie. Like, that was the lie that, like, I cling to, you know, or, or truth or whatever at the time I thought it was. But point is, it obviously sets you free when you get honest, and your story, like we were saying, is amazing. And So hold on, good segue, because I want to go back to surgery. Oh, yeah, so yeah, if you have so surgery, surgery, yeah, you get honest with the doctor and say... First you talk about your... And, and what's great... First, is, well, here, you, tell, tell them the steps. First, what yeah. did you do? 
Um, what do you mean? Like, well, like, first you call you call your sponsor, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. let you know what was going on. Jay's my sponsor. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, there's a plan in place. I'll be okay. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to monitor my usage, even though it's non-narcotic. You know, I'm still going to take it as prescribed. If I don't think I need it during during that time, I'm not going to take it. You know, um, and I didn't. And uh, but I, I went through that process. What I'm, kind of questions did you have during that time, Jay? If I don't. Uh, yeah. yeah, like our, first thing off the bat was I mean, because I, I had heard of Tramadol, didn't know about, I looked at it a little bit. He said, My wife's gonna regulate, I'm okay, okay. Because his wife now has been is experienced enough with like where it can go, obviously. She, she knows. was there from she, the beginning, she and can she, call me she, out. And, she, and she wouldn't, she wouldn't, I know she's fur enough along where she would not she call enable. me, she'd call me in two seconds, okay. probably. Like, you know what I mean, for sure. And uh, but I mean, then again, you know, you can't. It's like it's we can't lock someone in a room. So it was like we it, unfortunately in a situation like this, you got to play it out. And you got to okay, he's done the right steps, and I've done this too. Like I've been prescribed opiates twice in five years. They were uh, Tylenol of coding, and both times I called my sponsor first. And however, within the first twenty-four hours of having the Tylenol of coding in my system, we threw him out. Me and my wife, even though I still had pain, like even though I still had whatever. We just got rid of so a little little lesson there. If you're a group leader facilitator and you don't doing sponsors in your meetings. You're missing out. Well, yeah, how I get that all the time. They're like, that, yeah. "Oh, we don't have sponsors." So yeah. the, the, those are these two guys' you stories got, right I mean, here. You, <laughs> you got to have a sponsor. I mean, you got to get some someone, someone else to filter your thoughts through because a lot of the times, your sponsors for addicts not your and alcoholics, wife or your bishop, right? They're thinking unless they're an addict, not yeah, even not your bishop or your wife, right? Yeah, no, not yeah. your bishop or your wife. A <laughs> unless your unless your bishop was a full on. But even even I would say yeah. even I'd recommend not because there's still a role for your bishop. Like there's a that's confession true. role for sure. I mean, if that's the only guy or guy, if that's the only uh, guy that's in recovery, then sure, just shut. But sign up. The point is, yeah. is getting someone. I mean, you need to get someone that's going to call you on your BS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So if your bishop can do that and he's in recovery, then sounds good. If he's not, probably not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's powerful to me that you took up as you, you were honest with your wife, with a doctor, you, with your sponsor. Think how many layers now. Think of yeah. how many were like the old, so many accountability the old right Marvin, there. the old Jay, the old whatever, the old addict and all of us. There's no way. We would already have a plan for how we're going to regulate those pills. Before you even get them, but before and then to get the script, and then to get the script after, you'd already have like (laughs) Brad. Like our mind goes so far in advance, which is why when we get sober, we go so far in advance and we get stressed. And we right, you're like it can't help but think seven steps ahead because we know what it's like to be kicking, meaning like detoxing, but not having enough drugs in your system. When you don't have enough drugs in your system. You feel like the whole there's no like brain synapses connecting. It's like the whole world's I'm dying. Yeah, like you just immediately sure. feel like you're dying. Like you really do. Like when you get a really bad flu, you go, Oh my gosh, what's happening? I'm dying, right? Same thing when you detox. So it's like the brain goes. So not only did he not do all that, uh, he got and I think what relieved him from that, just like anyone else's story that's had surgery and recovery, the layers of, of honesty, boom, he calls sponsor, wife. Bitch, you know all these things, whatever doctor, and then boom, here it's been how many months? You know, months since your surgery or so. Two months. Two months. You're not taking tramadol. You're not taking. Nope. So there you go. See what I'm saying? Like, it's where right. back in the day, if he didn't do those layers, you better believe he'd be back <laughs> on pills. Like that would have been all it took. Oh yeah, I mean, it would have been easy to get, you know. But that's because where, you had an excuse. That's the insanity yeah. of addiction, you know. All right, Carver Marvin. Any last words for the people from all over the world yeah. that you feel inspired to like? That one person is going to hear these words and you'd want to get, get into their ear. 
I, you know, I, I would just suggest if you're struggling and, and you're not you're worried about talking to people about it, you know, go someone you can trust. Um, call someone up anonymously if you don't know them. Call up an AA hotline. There's someone on the phone that can talk to you about what you go, what you're going through. You know, come go to a meeting. Show up. You don't even have to talk. Just show up. You know, um, the spirit will be there. It'll invite you, and um, you know, who knows what'll happen. But if you don't do anything you're not gonna get anything in return. You're not gonna be able to change your life if you don't start that process. So go to a meeting, get a sponsor if you do go, talk to people, let people know what's going on because it'll save your life. And fight the feelings, right? Like fight fight those feelings in the beginning where you're like, this isn't gonna work. Yeah, the adversary's gonna do everything just, he can. Just understand that that's normal. It's okay. Completely. Marvin felt that way his first time going and his second or third or whatever, so did I. Like, but you just keep going. They say they act, do the body first, spirit follows, right? Yep. You want to plug anything, Marvin? You do photos, don't you? I do. So I'm a photographer. Um, I do families and weddings and Kimble Photography, if you want to check it out, K-I-M-B-L-E. Uh, look us up. Hook a, hook a brother really up? Good. Really good photography. Like family way. photos, it wedding photos? Instagram account. Families and <laughs> weddings, what did you say? <laughs> Instagram account, the surfing one. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get some good oceans. O.C. Kimble for landscape photos. Oh. Why don't you come surfing with us to take photos of Jay and I? He surfs. Let's go surf. Okay, go surf, but no surf photos because you're out Sorry. there surfing. The waves are good. Maybe we can like break his foot or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Let's not. not <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. Uh, go to thenextsteppodcast.com, the Next Step Podcast on Instagrams, Facebook. Uh, if you go to our website, there's a little linky on there that said support the cast. Support uh, you can the donate cast. us. Those we've, of you who have, thank We've you. been able to travel and go speak to other stakes. Which we just did this last weekend. Yep. So, and also continue, those of you who have been reaching out and you want to share your story, keep doing that. we got a couple people lined up. We do have a few people lined up, and we have a few people we need to get back to. Thank you for sharing the story on those emails or direct messages. Um, they're awesome and inspiring, and they, they pump us up. We were like, wow, Jay, did you see that one? Another great one. Um, and maybe next time we'll do some uh, reviews of those on next podcast. Boom. Okay. Hasta luego. In the hall
of thy peace. 